G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. And Tuesday rolls around quickly. Our opportunity, as we do on a Tuesday, to check in on the latest breaking news as it's coming out of Israel and the Middle East. Ron Ross has been scouring the headlines overnight once again. Ron's back with us. Hello, Ron. Welcome back to 2020. Good morning, Neil. Ron, let's start with the headline that says that Benjamin Netanyahu has warned conservative partners time's running out to form government. How's this story unfolding? He said, I regret that the parties are still in the treetops. He said that at a weekly meeting of his old cabinet as the formation of a new one remains elusive. With the deadline looming to form a new government, Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu is urging his potential partners to get off the treetops in order to prevent losing an opportunity to form a right-wing government and potentially force another election. On the heels of the April 9 parliamentary ballot, Netanyahu has until May 28 to build a new majority in the 120-seat Knesset, though he might begrudgingly work with 60 members to get the government running. Still operating with the Minister of his previous government, the Prime Minister said at the weekly meeting, I hope that a way will be found soon to bring them down to the ground of reality so that together we can form a strong and stable government for the State of Israel that will continue to lead the country to new heights. Netanyahu's Likud party finished tied with the blue and white faction in the election with 35 seats each. President Rivlin, in his ceremonial capacity, gave the incumbent Prime Minister the nod over blue and white leader Benny Gantz to form the next government because parties representing a majority of the Knesset told the President they prefer the Likud party. Uh, It's a precarious situation and uh, one will watch very closely. And you mentioned the 28th. No doubt this time next week we'll be talking about that headline once again as to how that's all coming about. Ron, another one. Part of the Middle East's peace plan is due for release on the 25th of June in Bahrain. And as the story goes, the Palestinian Authority already saying no. Yeah, I found it interesting this morning that uh, the Palestinian spokesman, Saeb Erekat, had... uh, thrown out the peace plan uh, without even seeing it. But the economic part of the US peace plan will be revealed on June 25 in Bahrain during an international conference the White House has announced. It's unclear when the political part of the plan will be released. According to a senior official, representatives from the EU, Asia and the Arab world, as well as some Palestinian businessmen, will attend the Peace to Prosperity Economic Forum in the capital, Manama. It's not clear when the political part will be released. The conference will facilitate discussions on an ambitious vision for the Palestinian people and the region, including enhancements to economic governance, 
development of human capital, and facilitation of rapid private sector growth, the White House has said. If implemented, this vision has the potential to radically transform lives and put the region on a path towards a brighter future. Uh, This kind of economic uh, prosperity is something the Palestinian Authority apparently has not in their wheelhouse right now. Ron, one of the stories that is on the radar of the Australian media, the idea that large US warships are training together in the Arabian Sea with an eye on Iran. What is it that the US Navy is saying about the exercise? Yeah, this is really hotting up. Uh, President Trump started a... uh uh, Twitter war with Iran when he said that if they continued their aggression, Iran would cease to exist. The Iranians came back and said, you're not going to bully us. But a rare training exercise between large U.S. warships is taking place in the North Arabian Sea. It uh, took place over the weekend and continues as tensions continue with Iran. The Navy said the exercises and training were conducted with the USS Abraham Lincoln Aircraft Carrier Strike Group in coordination with the U.S. Marine Corps. The exercises and training we are doing with Amphibious Squadron 6, the 22nd Marine Expeditionary Unit, and the USS Kearsarge are aimed towards increasing our lethality and agility to respond to threats and deterring destabilizing actions in the region, Rear Admiral John Wayne said. The exercises conducted Friday and Saturday included air-to-air training and steaming, information and maneuvering. Uh, It's a uh, a bold sort of presentation by the US, but one I wouldn't take very lightly. Okay, and other nations clearly concerned as well. The UK has raised the threat level for personnel in Iraq and Saudi, Kuwait and Qatar over these Iran tensions. The British government has raised the threat level for military and diplomatic staff operating in a number of Gulf states, including Iraq, over tensions with Iran in a move that follows the withdrawal of non-essential staff from Iraq by the US government. The change puts UK forces and diplomats in Iraq, Saudi Arabia, Kuwait and Qatar on a higher state of alert, reports Sky News in the UK. The security risk assessment for British personnel in Iraq and the other Gulf states is separate, but both are claimed to have been revised. No specific details on the threat have been released, but claims of a rising threat of an asymmetric warfare against soft targets has been reported. The Sky News report claims soft targets like civilian and oil infrastructure might be attacked by Iran or its allies. The change falls short of the withdrawal from the region of non-essential staff presently taking place for U.S. forces, with the State Department confirming that it has ordered all non-essential staff out of the theatre with immediate effect. Some new research has emerged, Ron. What's the story here where Turkey's Greek, Armenian and Assyrian Christian populations were destroyed by a 30-year genocide? Yeah, Dr. Benny Morris and Dr. Draws Evi of the Ben-Gurion University of the Negev in Beersheba 
cited the British, French, Turkish, and U.S. archives, along with some Greek materials and German and Austro-Hungarian foreign ministry papers, confirmed Turkey's Armenian, Greek, and Assyrian or Syriac communities disappeared as a result of a staggered campaign of genocide beginning in 1894, perpetrated against them by their Muslim neighbors. Summarizing findings published in their book, The 30-Year Genocide, Turkey's Destruction of Its Christian Minorities, in a Wall Street Journal essay, Morrison Ziebi identified a strikingly consistent pattern of ethno-religious atrocity over three decades, perpetrated by the Turkish government, army, police, and the populace against Asia's minor Christian minorities, extending well beyond the infamous Armenian genocide still denied by the Turkish government. They said the bloodshed was importantly fueled throughout by religious animus. Muslim Turks, aided by fellow Muslims, including Kurds, Caucasians, Chechens and Arabs, murdered about two million Christians in bouts of slaughter. It's uh, a fact that has been kept quiet for a long time. Mm. Uh, Let's come back to Israel, Ron, because one of the largest Christian networks in the world is called Daystar. And Daystar has a studio in Jerusalem and uh, reports emerged about a fire bombing over the weekend. How does that story look? Yeah, on the surface it looks very tragic, but I think... In God's plan, it'll have a major effect. I think Christians around the world will rally behind Daystar. The Jerusalem study of Daystar is one of the largest Christian networks in the world, and it was firebombed over the weekend. The attack destroyed Daystar's new studio, but the network plans to rebuild. The fire began early Saturday morning when an arsonist threw a firebomb into the facility. Daystar was in the midst of a major renovation and upgrade of its studio in Jerusalem, and it overlooks Mount Zion and the Mount of Olives. The fire destroyed the new work and much of the existing facility. The control room has been totally devastated. The studios too. And uh, the studio was described by one of the construction people as a beautiful living room set up really casually, nice chairs, stools, tables, but nothing survived. Sherrod, who was the construction engineer, showed CBN News around uh, the site, and it was devastating. But it was interesting to see that even in the midst of the destruction, they believe it's God at work. I believe that God has a reason and a purpose, and it's the very least he'll redeem what has happened here. So these ashes will rise up, be raised up, and proclaim the glory of God. Daystar pledges to continue their operation and, in the meantime, asks for prayers for continued protection for their location and their ministry. Well, Ron, as usual, great insights into those stories that are breaking out of Israel and around the Middle East and how they affect all of the affairs that are going on, especially around things like peace processes and the like. Thank you so much for scouring the headlines for us, for bringing this update each week. Ron Ross, appreciate you, and we'll talk again next week. Thank you, Neil. Before you go, thanks for listening. There's lots more great audio on demand, or you can listen to us live at visionradio.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener-supported.
Your donation, large or small, will help us continue connecting faith to life for hundreds of thousands of people across Australia and around the world. Learn more or donate today at visionradio.org.au.